0: Hi, this is Tony Camille, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking.
1: Ed Roberts wants a reminder that Greg Airbar is with us as we take another look at recently released DVD tiles that we think you'll find of interest. Greg, what do you have for us tonight?
0: Uh, I have to start with a caveat. This is a variety show. That has had a spotty history on DVD, uh, has not been released on Blu-ray, but can be seen depending on what your cable or satellite or dish service is. A lot of people call it the train wreck of the 60s, the the show that was doomed from the start. But what you find when you watch it, which I, I did and was amazed to find, is it's not a train wreck. It's certainly got some... Curves in the track and some derailments, but it's it's one of the most amazing television shows I've ever seen, and it's the Judy Garland Show.
1: Uh, it's the Judy Garland Show, which currently airs on Get TV, as you just alluded to, but you say it's a train wreck, and I, and I know of what you speak, but in fairness to Judy Garland, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances beyond her control related to... Her, med- her medical condition at the time, but there are also extenuating factors going on at the network that contributed to all of that.
0: Yes, and I did say it was a train wreck that's true, but um personally, having watched it, I don't find that to be the case at all any more than the myth of Judy Garland being this constantly tragic oh what a shame uh, creature that watching her is like watching a person about to collapse, it was, was true either. Uh, Liza Minnelli and a lot of people that are very close to her, she was not 100% the sad, pathetic, frail creature that she was painted to be. That was a, a facet of who she was, but what emerges from watching the show is what a powerful, not only a powerful talent, but strong presence that she was. She was very tough and... She endured an awful lot and bounced back when everybody said she was through. And there's a book that actually I highly recommend, not necessarily if you're a Judy Garland fan or not, but just as a a, a reference book and a chronicle of backstage antics in the world, the high stakes world of television. It's called Rainbow's End. It's a story of the Judy Garland show, and it's still available. And it's by Coin Stephen Sanders, or Steve Sanders, who co-wrote one of the very first Dick Van Dyke Dyke Show books back in the 80s. And it's a fascinating account. And you're absolutely right, Ed. It was a very, very nasty behind-the-scenes situation. Uh, The show was – she was very, very coveted as a TV star because she had just done the famous uh, Carnegie Hall concert. That was a huge sellout, very successful, played the Palladium, places like that. Did two TV specials, which are also available on DVD. Those are easy to get. Uh, there's one with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, which was a huge success. And it's just the two, the three of them singing. And then there was a one with Phil Silvers and Robert Goulet. Those were very successful shows. And that mixes comedy and singing. And then they c- CBS... Signed the contract. It was a very big deal. But the, the, the comments in the press, because of Judy Garland's reputation, she had only been fired from MGM a few years earlier uh, from Annie Get Your Gun. So the, the image of her being riddled with uh, angst and drugs and being uh, difficult to control, difficult on the set, all of those things, while not untrue, were kind of exaggerated because a lot of the people talking in this book said that it wasn't always their experience, and in this case, it was her money that she was losing, because this show was pretty much hers. So if she was late or caused overages, wasn't really CBS taking the hit so much as it she was. So what was really going on was the administration at CBS were not, I believe, according to the book, the original people who signed her. So it wasn't their baby. And whenever you don't have that champion in the executive ranks, you are on shaky ground. That's the case today. And anyone who wants to, who's interested in corporate shenanigans would also find this book very interesting because James Aubrey, who was the smiling cobra, which uh, I believe she was the one who named him that, was not a terribly nice person. And then Hans Stromberg was a person that was even less pleasant uh, to the point of sending her uh, flowers or flower on her last show and saying, um, great job, you're through, or something like that. I mean, that kind of thing. Very, very unpleasant stuff. However, they also painted the yellow brick road from her trailer to the stage A very big fuss was made. The ratings were huge at the very beginning. They actually rearranged the shows. That makes things confusing also if you want to collect the shows, because the first show is really not the first show, and it had three producers. So it's a fascinating thing. first producer was George Schlatter, who went on to do Laugh-In and Real People, and she loved working with him. He wanted to make every show a special every week, and they were And she was perfectly at home in that setting. There were some problems, though. CBS wanted a comedian because the standard of a TV show was you have somebody as a sidekick. And there were several people bandied around, but she ended up with Jerry Van Dyke, who had the unfortunate position of being mean to her. Well, at the first, he was playing the dumb guy who was sort of introducing her in a clumsy way. And then they changed his character to unpleasant guy who's telling her how to be on TV and you don't know what you're doing and let me show you. And people started hating him. He was calling her old, you know, and and things like that. And he hated it, too. He was saying, I don't know how I'll ever work again. I'm calling Judith Garland old, things like that. Um, And he was pretty much disastrous. On both ends for him and for the show because they never could figure out to do with them. There were stronger people who they you had to pair her with somebody strong. Bobby Darren was great. Uh, uh, When when Lena Horne was great. The comedically Terry Thomas was fantastic. So sometimes the show is amazingly great, uh, especially when they pair her with a really good singer. Performer, and she'd bounce off them. Shelley Berman did some comedy with her. That was it was it was funny stuff. It wasn't like she couldn't do comedy. Just what Judy Garland did best was concert. So George Schlatter was fired because he kept saying no to the network because they kept trying to make her into Dinah Shore. They wanted her to be Girl Next Door, and it wasn't working. The ratings were plummeting, and so they fired George Schlatter. Blamed him for what they were meddling in. And then they brought in Norman Jewison, who went on to become a renowned director. Yeah, Jesus, Christ, on the roof. Jesus yeah.
1: Christ Superstar and all that. Yeah,
0: and he was busy doing movies, but she called him. I think he was vacationing in some remote location in Canada where he's from, and they had to send a boat out. You know, Judy Garland's on the phone. She desperately needs you, that kind of thing. So he had to give her so many months, and he worked with her through the end of 63 uh, and said, we'll keep you on the air. And uh, he did more of what the network wanted. They still had Jerry Van Dyke, but he kept the boat afloat, um, and he sort of balanced the two. He was the most businesslike of the producers. But by the time they got to Bill Collaren, uh because Norman Jewison simply couldn't stay with it anymore, uh, the show turned into a complete concert, because at that point the writing was on the wall. The show's going to be cancelled anyway. Let's just do it the way we want to do it. And it became a, an all-out concert with occasional bantering. And in some ways that's the best, those are the best shows, but they're not necessarily the best example of what variety shows could be because they're more like what PBS or cable would do. Right. An end concert show.
1: Right. Especially like what we see during pledge breaks and pledge drives and things of that nature. I want to ask you specifically about the shows that are available on the volumes you want to talk about, but to, to back up a little bit, cause you mentioned, you mentioned Jim Aubrey. Now, And and you did a very good job, Greg, of of encapsulating the chaos behind the scenes and the sort of pressures that uh, Garland had to deal with in making this show, which, and again, I'm going off of memory here, but I believe it contributed to some of the problems that she personally had behind the scenes while she was filming the Judy Garland show in, in 1963. But as I recall, and Mike Dan Mike Dan uh, verifies a lot of what you just said in his book, uh, As I See It, which came out uh, in 2009. Mike Dan passed earlier this year, uh, as as you know. But he one of the things he said vis-a-vis Jim Aubrey is that Aubrey was almost predatory towards Judy Garland. She almost, I, I, you kind of get the feeling that
0: Either it was something personal that was not ever made factual or it was simply that you just don't say no to him and he'll make you an enemy. I mean, it's a, it can be as simple as that in business. There are some people who, if you say no, you're on their poopoo list. And she may have just ticked them off in that way because there's that famous scene where they're giving her the notes and saying that she touches people too often. And, um, you know, so she called JFK, right in the middle of the meeting, got him on the phone and said, Mr. President, do you think I touch people too much? This was dramatized in the movie uh, Me and My Shadows, I think it was called, yeah. that Lorna Luft had written, and it was dramatized with Judy Davis. Yeah. That was actually true, but that didn't endear her to them, and that she didn't win that battle. All that would do is make, make someone like uh, Aubrey dig his heels in more. So, uh, And the fact is, 1963, she was also a woman telling this guy what to do. And, and she was making things firm that to, to that kind of ego uh, was, was probably would put her in. It was personal.
1: that's what what
0: a lot of people say, that's,
1: that's basically what Mike Dan says as well. And because she had the temerity to stand up to Jim Aubrey, which is, which is not something Jim Aubrey was accustomed to. And because there were, there, there was chaos behind the scenes. And because, uh, the show was not pulling in the sort of numbers that CBS had hoped it it would pull in when when they originally you know made the deal for her to do a weekly series. Jim Aubrey, as I understand, sort of threw that back at her, and I'm, I'm going off memory because I can't find my Mike Dan notes right now. But uh, <laughs> he he basically, he, as as I recall, he basically it was a as he described him in his book. His behavior, uh, uh, Aubrey's behavior towards Garland, you know, in the second half of the season was a combination of bully and predator.
0: Yeah, and and I think that in the case of when someone in business wants to make sure that something goes their way, they can have a ton of facts produced, true facts, because there's there's facts in both directions. About why that is with something as big as a television show. And this was an expensive television show. You can uh, say that the ratings are not worth the money we're spending. We're not competing with Bonanza. And we and we've paid a fortune for this. She's not doing what she needs us to do. The public is saying this or that. Uh, there, there's a lot of ways to justify that kind of decision-making, but there's also ways when you've got an executive that's behind a show, like Fred Silverman was with the Mary Tyler Moore show, Brendan Tartikoff with Quality TV, Grant Tinker. You, they can keep things on if they want to. And from this book, apparently, that Sunday night time slot was, was di- very difficult, no matter who you were. And Danny Kaye had the Wednesday night show, and he didn't want to move. Sunday. Even that though that, that, was a that
1: Sunday night. Event. That Sunday night time slot being opposite Bonanza, which in yeah. nineteen sixty three was number one and number one with a bullet, so to speak.
0: Exactly.
1: One more, Adam. If you find yourself working from home these days, and let's face it, we're all working from home these days, and are looking for a simple way to operate your business by phone, you might want to check out Grasshopper. Grasshopper, the new virtual phone system designed specifically for entrepreneurs. Grasshopper works like a traditional phone system without any of the hassle. That's because you don't have to buy any hardware or install any software. Everything is done virtually. You can manage it online or by phone. That means callers can reach you wherever you are, any time of the day, on your cell phone. Check out TryGrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential to check out how it works with Grasshopper. You will sound more professional. You can run your business from anywhere while keeping your work life and your family life separate. Go to TryGrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential and save fifty dollars on your first order. You get a toll free or local number for your business with multiple extensions. You can set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world, as well as send or receive text messages from your business number. Get voicemails emailed to you as audio attachments, and a whole lot more. Plans start as low as twelve bucks a month, and there's a thirty day money back guarantee. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential and save fifty dollars. On your first order. That's trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential. Trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at Confidential.net. Talk at net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV.
0: or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at
1: 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.